everyone. Welcome back to the Big C Church Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Angie Ward. Our goal with the podcast is to have challenging conversations to better the body, to have the hard conversations that can help foster hope uh, for the church and the people of God. So my guest today is Matt Tebby, and I almost introduced myself as Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast because that's <laughs> part of his role is host of the gravity co-host of the gravity leadership podcast which i have appeared been honored to appear on uh, matt is uh, in indianapolis he's he's a, a co of a lot of things co-host of the gravity leadership podcast co-founder of gravity leadership co-pastor of the table church in indianapolis co-author with Ben Sternkey of having the mind of christ a great book with intervarsity press so a lot of co's, a lot of those with Ben Sternkey that, uh, yeah. Uh, and so I'm happy to co with him today on this episode of the podcast. Uh, and, and uh, I do a little serve or kind of a questionnaire for guests and how do you want me to introduce you? And Matt said, pastor and said, you can get my bio from the other stuff. So this, I gave the bio stuff, but uh, Matt, uh, pastor, pastor Matt, I love that because <laughs> that's really actually, I don't know if you even remember this is, that's how I first got to know you. I was living on the South side of Indianapolis, which is Greenwood mm -hmm. area where we moved to Denver from, but was going through kind of a questioning, deconstructing church season and some stuff in life. And some of related to some of the stuff we're going to talk about today, which is pastors and friendships as a part of a series on pastors and power. But so was feeling kind of isolated, had questions, Matt, I knew of Matt and Ben. And so I just kind of cold emailed them and said, Hey, can we get together? And so pastored me. So thank you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for yeah, being Angie. a guest on the Big C Church podcast. It's great to be here. I'm a big fan of the Big C. Hey, yeah, I know you are. <laughs> I know. I, you're, I love love that we can have this conversation. So, uh, yeah, like I said, so I'm doing this kind of mini series on pastors and power. Uh, and you posted, I'm bringing it up here on my phone because I took a screenshot. Not long ago, you posted on your Twitter, you said a word about the hazards of being a pastor and friendship. And says, we can't really be friends with the people we spend the most time with. There's power differentials there, layers of responsibility and commitments that make peer-to-peer -peer friendship impossible. And you go on a thread from there, but that's the, the first part. And, and I immediately, and as I was telling you before we hit record, uh, I've been in ministry all my adult life. I've been a pastor's wife for all of my married life, or I would say married to a pastor. I would always say, I may be married to a pastor, but I'll never be air quotes, a pastor's wife. But I've realized mm. that I always was a pastor's wife to people. And there's this, mm. uh, so reflecting here where we got to Denver, Colorado three years ago, first time we didn't move for a job as pastor or for a role like that. And where the, you know, we didn't have that title. And so forming friendships outside of that context of the pastorate, or pastor's wifeliness, and also then realizing along the church, the many churches that we've served at in North Carolina, Minnesota, Indiana, and how that dynamic of the the, the power pastors and power has affected our friendships, my friendships, Dave and me, and all that. So my first question for you, and we'll just you know, I'm sure we'll have a great mm -hmm. conversation to unfold. But like, what led you to post that in the first place? Yeah. Great question, Angie. I think it's because uh, when I first got into ministry, 
I, I wasn't sure what it meant to be a pastor. I just didn't know. I didn't have. And how old um, were you? Tell me, like, what yeah. that journey? Yeah, it was basically right out of college. So, yeah, so I was well, like same, 23. Same thing. Both of us, 22, 23, whatever. Yeah. Young adult. Yeah. And I think I had, I think I knew what I didn't want to be. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be kind of a dictatorial demagogue sort of person who just kind of had a lot of distance. I've always been a relational person. So I wanted to actually be friendly mm-hmm. with the people I was pastoring. Mm-hmm. And over the next few decades, uh, realized that I was trying not to be, so what led me to post that was I was trying not to be a certain kind of pastor mm-hmm. that I think wasn't good for me or for others and could cause harm. And in trying to stay away from that, I think I ended up unintentionally causing harm. Mm. And so, um, and, and uh, we can talk about that kind of harm for a second. But what led me to post this was me trying to piece together uh, why did why did that happen, and how do how do how do I make you know how do I name that and begin to rectify it? I have I have begun to rectify it, but how do I begin to name that? Because I I wonder if other pastors are experiencing this yeah. tension as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we can, you know, get into this more, but you said the response, you were not prepared for the response yeah. you got. Yeah. I mean, I had people saying, I disagree. I'm a pastor of a church and I have great friendships. I had people say, uh, problem is that you, uh, your, your problem is that you see power uh, wrong. It should, it shouldn't be like this. Jesus called people friends. Um, and, and so a lot of, I think a lot of assumptions were made about, where I was coming from. Like, I think a lot of people read into it that there should be lots of distance and you shouldn't be honest or known by people. I think people read into what I was trying to say. And honestly, like most of my social media posts, Angie, it, I didn't craft it. I didn't have a rough draft. I didn't sleep on it. I just, I just think out loud on social media. So I probably would word things differently. I said, pastors can't really have friendships. And I meant that in a quote friendship way. And I tried to clarify peer to peer. Yeah. But I do think there's different kinds of friendships yeah. that that have to account for authority mm-hmm. and power differentials, or else the person with more power could often unintentionally cause injury or harm. If a if a person with power and authority doesn't steward it intentionally uh-huh. and learn to walk wisely with it they can end up causing harm that that they didn't intend. Yeah. And that's that's what I was trying to reckon with in that post. Yeah. Well, so since you stirred the pot, let's keep stirring. So, yeah. uh, so tell me more about how you came to to learn what you, you know, you come kind of post about as you were thinking about and, and whatever degree you're willing to share as far as some, you know, either where you stumbled into stuff and went, "Oh, there's a a power thing here." Just what were some of those uh, markers that have shaped your where you're at now on that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there, there was a there was a there was a church conflict that I was a part of about 15 years ago, mm-hmm. where um, certain congregants were bringing questions and concerns about another congregant and their relationships, friendships with people of the opposite sex, and I, I. I, as the pastor, didn't handle the conflict between congregants very well because I didn't, I I wasn't stewarding my role as the shepherd of the community 
well. I, I tried to stay. I tried to stay neutral. I tried to stay. Uh, I tried to treat it as though it was a. Uh, all of this conflict was happening among peers and equals, mm. and it really and it really wasn't. Yeah. And so the person who was being accused of wrongdoing didn't experience my presence with them as care. They they. Um, they experienced my presence and we've talked about this and, and we have rectified our relationship. We've made up, right. but they kind of always, I it always felt to them like I was holding a hand behind my back. Mm. Like I had the, I had the authority or power to make decisions or to adjudicate this. And I wasn't being honest and upfront about that. And so it always felt like they were guessing like what, what's going on here. So that's, that's one. Yeah. Um, no, I'm thinking about, uh, I'm thinking about, uh, as well, I had had some 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 friends who were my age in a church I was pastoring, and this could just be a peculiarity of my generation or just my personality. But I, I make a lot of jokes, and you know what I'm saying. And um, when I would hang out with them, we would make jokes, and it was fine from my perspective. But uh, years later, this person indicated to me that he called it you you kind of big brother me. Huh. And w what he meant by that was, uh, I looked up to you. You're like a role model to me. But and then when you make jokes at my expense, right? Uh, it feels like you're you're dunking on a on a on a toddler. You know, you're yeah. kind of putting me in a headlock and giving me a noogie. Yeah. Now that I, I wasn't at all thinking that. Uh, you know, I'm sure I made one or two or more <laughs> inappropriate jokes, but but he experienced my jokes differently than I intended. Yeah. And it was because I was treating, I wasn't reckoning with the fact that I have a place in his life yeah. that I need to steward well yeah. for his sake. Yeah. 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 So those are two examples mm -hmm. of many where I was maybe too familiar, too, too unassuming about what is actually going on, which is, there is a vested authority in me. And we can talk more about yeah. how to what that power is. But there's a vested authority in me, and if I don't steward it well, it's not wise, and it could lead to harm. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And and uh, I I think tell tell me what you think. Just that uh, I think you and I both, uh, you know, when we went into voc you know ministry, vocational ministry, you, we both had an idea of well, we don't want to be that, you know, kind of. Thing. Yes. But we grew up in an era where of like the mega church and the more, but a more familiarity, like pastor, you know, the, like now you're in a tradition that still wears clerical garb, but, but the ones that I grew yeah. up in were not that at all and very much tried to downplay any type of distinction. So uh, the church we were in, when we were in New Hope in Indiana, some people would refer to my husband, even still five years ago as pastor. And he would say, I'm not pastor. I'm just Dave, uh, you know? So so I've seen, you know, the churches I grew up in and even in seminary, like there was this movement toward familiarity in all respects, in clothing, yeah. in language, in where you put a pulpit or what that even looks like. You remove the distance from people. But and this is where I want to hear what you say, like what the reality mm -hmm. is. There is still a power reality or an authority reality there regardless of how much we try to downplay and mm -hmm. it was it was i'm i don't know embarrassed i'm not ashamed but like uh, to realize to admit that it wasn't until just a few years before we left indiana and so we've been in, in you know married in pastoral ministry for 20 
23, 24, 25 years, we regularly would have people into their, into our homes because we want to show hospitality and Hey, not probably a little bit. We're normal people too, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I, and it, and it finally dawned on me because some people would just come and be kind of stiff. Other people were like, Hey, this is great. But I was like, Oh wait, duh. Some people view this as, Oh my goodness, I'm going to the pastor's house. I'm not just yes. going to David. It took me that long to yes. realize, like you said, how that person felt despite my best efforts to minimize any type of gap there. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Angie, I, I think that's right on. And then, then we can, we can get to then the conversation of, I mean, okay. So let me, let me just say there's an, there's analogies here, right? So I have a 14 year old and 11 year old and I'm constantly wanting them to have a familiarity with me and a trust of me and intimacy with me. Yep. But, but I, I also know that I have to be the dad. Yeah. I can't be yeah. just your buddy, right? Yeah. So we get that. Like uh, I go to the doctor's office. I don't need my doctor to be my friend. Right. I, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so there's there's these other arenas where we get that friendship isn't the highest virtue. Peer-to-peer -peer friendship isn't the highest virtue in this relationship. Yeah. And I think that same exists for a pastor, even though I think there's a kind of there's a kind of friendship we can have. Yeah. But but I th I think then what makes people freak out about this is that Typically, when we talk about power and authority, we're, we're uh, I think, using those words synonymously with like control yes. or domination. Yeah. And that's what you and I, I think our instinct is to stay away from domination. I don't want to dominate anybody, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, but, but staying away from domination doesn't mean that we're actually moving towards virtue. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So true. Right. Yeah. Just staying away from the bad doesn't mean we back into the good. Yes. We actually have to have a good that we're moving towards. And so that's what I'm, that's what I'm, I'm mostly interested in now is if it's not just, we're all friends, everything's equal. And if I ignore power, it'll go away and it won't do any bad work. Or, uh, you know, no, I had a pastor once say to me, none of my staff has ever been in my house and they never will. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That kind of distance separation. I don't, I don't want to live like that. That doesn't appeal to me as a human. Yeah. But what, what's the good that, I don't know if in between is the right word, or in distinction from those two ditches, yeah. that's, what, that's what I'm most interested in. Yeah. The first pastor that we served under in Minnesota, he told my husband, he said, uh, he was taught, never become friends with your, your staff because you, one day you may have to fire them. Yes. This is what, I mean, this is, this is one of the, this is another way that I saw this by the way. Hmm. Um, yeah. Tell me about that. It, it, well, you know, it's common for pastors like you and I to talk about the church as a family. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We're the family of God, brothers and sisters. Yeah. But, but Angie, you don't, you don't fire a sister. Yeah. You fire an employee. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, you left your church in Greenwood while you were there, you were making all kinds of commitments and promises with your presence mm -hmm. that that when you leave you no longer are bound to fulfill but we're playing a bit there uh fast and loose maybe with our relational circuits for sure because even though those people in greenwood know okay angie's been released from our, being our pastor our pastor's wife she's got she's got this thing in denver she's doing there still are these tether points that we made that or just kind of ripped away. 
Yeah. 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 That's what I realized is to many of those people and we, and you know, there's, so there's the staff friendships piece, there's the, or co co leader piece, there's the congregation piece. And I, and I've realized after enough moves that we had uh, some degree of friendship while we were there and shared life, but ultimately to many of them, I was, we fulfilled a role hmm. and a function. And so I've seen it cut the other way as well, where I thought there was more, it wasn't just about, you know, the, the role, but they were ascribing the role to me. And that's why they, there was some sort of relationship or connection there. And once that was gone, I've just learned my true friends are the ones that keep in touch after you've moved from a place. Yeah. You know, so I think it, it yeah. works both ways just because we're not aware of kind of calling out that piece of it. Just it's just a reality so tell me yeah. you know what what from your perspective so not not domination but what that vested authority talk to me about your understanding what you're learning about that yeah so it, it's been really helpful for me th th this is one of the many things that has pushed me to be more clear about what is the not so among you leadership mm. that jesus tells his followers to embody mm. right and, you know, we have lots of words, servant leadership, sacrificial leadership, you know, we have all these phrases, but, but when I, and we've talked about this before, Angie, just personally, when I think about how do I sum it up, I think the world sees authority as the power to control, mm -hmm. but the kingdom sees authority as the power to love. Mm -hmm. And, and when, let me point out, power is not automatically bad. I think sometimes in society, we like in our, in our exactly. climate, we're power is automatically evil or ill. And that's not true. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, uh, in fact, um, power is unavoidable. Mm. Yeah. You know, hold an infant in your hands. And if you don't exercise your power for that infant's good, you get, a, you can get arrested. Yeah. Like there's so many ways in which powers, what it, what it means to be human is to have some kind of power Yeah. in some arena and our job and you know when you read the scriptures like you know the 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 new jerusalem revelation 21 is is about heaven coming home to earth and the people of god being invested with power to rule and reign as co-regents of the cosmos with christ yeah so our where we're going in terms of eternal life is god is looking for people who can bear his power well yeah um, and so there's a, you know, I won't go on a long rant on that, but I, I, for me then, what does it look like to center my life in this power of love? How does love work? Right. And I think love works differently than control or domination love. And, you know, we could, we can talk, have a whole conversation about that. But so then, so then my job as a pastor is to carry the, uh, to carry the mantle of love for the sake of others. And that looks different person to person in my congregation, Angie. Mm. I mean, it looks so different. Yeah. And it, so, it, so we're not talking about techniques. Yeah. We're talking about wisdom. We're talking yeah. about being present and available to God and other people for their benefit. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not a blanket. Like you said, it's, it's person to person. There's not one blanket role. I mean, it just looks different for each person, each season. 
each situation? Yes. So, yeah, so one of my dearest friends in my church, and when I say friend, I mean she's got a leadership role at our church. She and I have had lots of laughs together, lots of good stuff together. But she uh, has gone through a really hard year of multiple miscarriages. And she indicated to me this week in a public setting that they'd had another one. Ugh. Like she's very vague about it. Yeah, but she caught But it. I yeah. knew what she was referring to. Yeah. <clears throat> and so in that moment, you know, she, so this is just an example of how it takes wisdom to know how to love. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, do I indicate to her that I picked up what she was saying? Would that benefit her? Mm-hmm. Is she in a place where she wants her her friend, but but also her her pastor, her priest, to indicate that he picked up on that. And so I was just thinking about this: like, will this increase? Does she just she does she need space, or does she need me to move towards her? Hmm. Now I don't know, but I'm you know it's a discernment thing, right? right. That we do as pastors, or even as friends. Yeah. <clears throat> By the way, I think twenty years ago I just would have moved towards her, and I would not have hmm. asked that question. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's a different thing for yeah. me. But then I just said, hey, I. I don't presume you want to talk about this or need to talk about it with me, but I'm so sorry. Yeah. Kinda, I noticed. And and. I noticed this. Yeah. I'm sorry. And I'm praying for you. Yeah. And I just kind of left it there. Yeah. And I was right. She was, she did not want to talk about it. Like, you know, it was like, yes, it's been, it's just awful. And my body is blah. Yeah. And I'm just so, and I said, well, you know, my wife and I had seven years of trying to have kids before we could have one. So if you ever need to talk about it, I'm here. That's a different conversation than I would have had with another person. It had a lot to do with so many factors, like in our relationship and me as her priest, like in like influenced the way I tried to handle that situation. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's just one example of like <clears throat> it. It looks different depending upon who who the congregant is and how it works. And then culturally too, Angie, I don't know, like when we were kids, pastors just showed up in the hospital room when kids were born yeah, or just showed up after your surgery at your house, made house calls, right? Yeah. Yeah. But culturally in the last 30 years, 40 years, things have shifted. Yeah. And so now, now I find myself not presuming that I'm wanted, but asking for some kind of consent or, or invitation. Yeah. Before I do that, that is a navigating power. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and we, I think most pastors listening can relate to that shift, but that's an indication of what we're talking about, I yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. I was thinking, you know, like you said, 20 years ago, I would just moved toward this person, you know, and, and, yeah. Uh, and I, you know, I was thinking, like, how many, p- pastors, people in leadership, ministry leadership really have given, much thought, not much. I, in my experience, I haven't, I, you know, it was just a few years ago that I went, Oh wait, you know, there's a, yeah. I mean, I conceptually kind of knew it, but to realize how that plays out. And I think so. So at the same time, we're a lot of us, you know, we am saying ministry leaders broadly, we want to narrow the gap for, you know, and that formality at least of it yet also us still want to keep the authority. Hmm. So, Yes. Uh, you know, so it's like, <laughs> so I'm still in charge, but I'm going to pretend like I'm not either that or, or yes, you know, that's the hand behind the back. Yeah. Like, yeah. right. Um, 
And so, you know, I have to, this goes, to me, this goes back to how does love work? Yeah. Right? Yeah. How does love work? And I think that we don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> we're Christians, we're supposed to be known by our love. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I, I think that's, I mean, I'm 47 and I, 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 if I have 40 years left, Lord willing, yeah. uh, I, I want to continually beat this drum. How different would our country, neighborhoods, schools, government be if the first word out of the mouth of unbelievers about us, Angie, was those people know how to yeah. love. Preach. Yeah. I mean, just what a different world it would be. So I'm just going to beat this drum until I die. Yeah. Like, so love, love works differently than I'm in charge. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. So, you know, you talked about it's different with each person. And so the reality of that is that we can be, try to be more conscious of that dynamic and, you know, and ask the question and wisdom, but there's also reality of the other person and what they're putting on us and what yes. their understanding is of that. Yes. And so, uh, yeah, where, where have you experienced that? Cause uh, so there's people who, and, and amongst the churches we've all served were non-denom. So we had people coming from all sorts of traditions. So some of them assumed that the pastor would come or that, the, you know, or, or whatever stuff is not worked out in their own life that they're transferring mm -hmm. to you. There's that whole piece of it. There's projection. Projection, right. right. So yep. what are, yep. what have you been learning about that? Hmm. Well, this is why I talk openly about and frequently about church hurt and church abuse. Yeah. I, I, there's this particular habit, Angie, in our culture to, try to distance ourselves from the worst of us, mm -hmm. right? So for instance, uh, you know, uh, like as a white dude, uh, try to try to distance myself from racism mm -hmm. that white people have, mm -hmm. or as a pastor, try to distance myself from church scandals. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't, I don't think that does good work for other people. It's actually pretty self-serving. I'm just looking to I'm looking to save myself there. And I think what's what I'm pretty convinced that part of the what's needed to repair harm that's done is for people who are proximal to the harm, either culpable, complicit, or are coming from the same people group mm -hmm. to say, yeah, this is happening and it's bad. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it's not that they're not real Christians. I, I don't I'm not I'm not God. Christians are hurting people. People who say they're Christians are hurting people. Yeah. Pastors are leading poorly. I've led poorly. Yeah. So, like, let's talk about this. And every time I do, Angie, people in our, our church tell me, thank you for saying that. Pastors aren't saying this. Yeah. Pastors, they want to scapegoat bad pastors, but they don't want to include themselves in that naming of that, yeah. right? So a lot of people just are triggered by me. Just because I'm a pastor, yeah, I'm a, a white Christian yeah, pastor, white Christian male pastor. Yep, yeah. and and uh, you know, and that's uh, I, I I I can hear people like I, some people experience that, and they get upset because they think everybody wants to cancel us. Yeah, and I don't think that. I mean, I get that, I guess, but like for me, it's I've never been canceled if when somebody is hurting in my presence, and I just say I'm so sorry that happened to you. Yeah, you have every right not to trust me. 
I don't think I'd trust me either if I had your story. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm telling you people, compassion and like repentance leads to a trust. Yeah. Like it leads to trust, not canceled, not being canceled. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 So it is, it is tricky, Angie, because that's a real thing, you know? It's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how have you, so like you, you know, you talked about friend and you, that like the woman that you said who had had a, another, you know, miscarriage, what is, when you use that word friend, I, I, um, yeah. we, I did a podcast episode on loaded terms and I think that's, that has become one. I remember in Indiana at Greenwood, somebody said, thanks friend. And I was like, are, are we real? Yeah. What is that? Really? Cause what does that mean? Yeah. Yes. So w when you say friend and I realized uh, just that I have different, I use that word to mean different things. And so I was having a conversation mm -hmm. with a deeper friend as we're, as we're teasing this out and I'm going, she said, well, I thought you had all these uh, just tons of friends. I'm like, yeah, but the, I'm using friend in a, a lot of different ways. Yeah. 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 So let me give you an example. I co-pastor with two other guys. Yeah. One of the reasons I co-pastor is because I need peer friends who are at the center of this thing with me. Yeah. So after this interview, Angie, I'm going to go get on a trail an urban trail, and I'm going to walk for an hour and a half with my co-pastor, Spencer. Yeah. Uh, he's a friend. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, he and I can have conversations about stuff that I wouldn't have with this woman, let's call her Mary. Yeah. Right? So I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell Mary, hey, Mary, I got this email from this congregant and it's full of like passive aggressive accusations. Yeah. And I just want to delete it and never talk to them again. Yeah. I won't, I won't have that conversation with Mary because I don't think it does good work to do that because she, Mary knows the person I'm talking about. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of gossipy. Yeah. But I have to have somebody in my life I can say that to who can contain it. But tell me who more can because, hold it because Mary me. knows that person, but so does the co-pastor that you're walking with. Right. So but the co-pastor. Yes. Yeah. Well, so like the, we, we, so we, like we have these, we have these relationships where we can like, where we agree to hold things with each other and bear things with each other. We have a commitment, a, a, a more intimate commitment to share and bear. Whereas with Mary, we've got a less intimate commitment to share and bear. And, and I'm thinking through like, I, I don't want to complain to Mary about how hard it is to be a pastor because that can do weird things to somebody who's not a pastor. Yeah. Right? She can read she can read like uh passive aggressive asks or wants in that. Yeah. That she has to somehow take responsibility for oh I I won't call I next time I have a miscarriage I won't call Matt because it's so hard to be a you know all these kind yeah. of things that can go under the surface. Whereas when I'm talking to Spencer, he's a pastor too. Yeah. And he's got to deal with this stuff too. And it's like just two people like, I, I need to like get this out. It's like a confession slash gripe, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, yeah. and then, and then it's better. It's better. Yeah. And then you just go and you respond to the email. Yeah. Yeah. One of the mistakes I, Dave and I made at our, one of our churches in North Carolina was one, I think we put all our eggs in that basket. So it's like, and in the, we, we elevated too many of the congregants to what we thought was a share and bear. We assumed a share and bear 
that was not there just because we were young and, you know, now we just didn't realize that, you know? And so, uh, and so sometimes I think we became toxic to our friends because they couldn't, they couldn't bear the sausage to see the sausage being made. They didn't need to see the sausage being made. Uh, Yeah. Just so many things, ways I look back and go, Oh, if I had only known, you know, or realized, been aware of the dynamic, nothing about any of those individual people. They were just, at where they were at, you know, or I thought, well, we invited people to be in our small group. We had the biggest small group. Aren't we doing great ministry? Oh, well, maybe they all wanted to be in the, say they were in the pastor's group. Yes. You know, so many ways I've seen this played out, you know, retrospect. Yes. Yeah. Yes, totally. My, My wife feels this too, as a pastor's wife, she, she had this experience at a church where she was working in the kids ministry and this person dropped off their child and she tried to chat them up. They didn't, they, they were new. They wouldn't give her the time of day. Like, and she t- told this to me. She's like, man, I just tried to, this new person tried to welcome them. And they were really gruff with me. Anyway, she saw this person later that day. I see my wife sitting next to me in, in, in the pew. And this person came right up to my oh, wife and wanted wow. to chat her up. And my, yeah. so this has happened for 25 years with, with my wife, where she's unable to have what she considers real relationships yep. because people are, people see her as a proxy to power yep. and they, they want to, they, they want to relate to a pastor's wife, not to Sharon. Yes. Yeah. And, and either it's one of it's, it's either I'm going to go to that person because yep. now you're the, you're the pastor yep. or yeah. you're no longer safe because you're the pastor's wife. Exactly. I've exactly. That as well, it's like, well, exactly. Yeah. So it just made it so fraught for, for us, just now that we don't have that in our lives, that dynamic, I'm just realizing how much it was there for so many years. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, like you're, you, you teach now. Yeah. Right. In a seminary. And there's a similar, like you're teaching adults. Yeah. These aren't, these aren't minors. So there's a sense in which you have some kind of like mutuality between a teacher and a student yeah. who's an adult. But there's also a sense in which, you just can't do certain things yeah. with a student. Yeah. Like we know this, right? Now, I'm not saying it's a one-to-one equal with pastoring in a church. I'm just saying we have all these arenas where we get there's some kind of friendship yeah. and there's some kind of not friendship. Yeah. And I think the same exists in the church, and I just haven't done a good job of being able to live into that in a way that I feel like is wise yeah. and, and that benefits other people, and I benefit too. I, I'm, I'm there's still a negotiation there for me about what does that look like? Yeah. Well, so you and I, you know, we're, we're thinking more about this and reflecting on it and just being aware of it is a huge, you know, the, aware of the reality. And then what is it in each of these relationships? How much intentionality have you and your co-pastors, do you talk about this with your congregation? I mean, how much intentionality yeah. do you have even with, with Mary versus Spencer or Ben and, yeah. you know, uh, how much do you call that out? You yeah. just think about it. Yeah. It's a great question, Angie, because I actually, so my social media is a, kind of a public, kind of a public sphere where I'm interacting with people from all over the place, but I, congregants read my social media. Yeah. And so I got a couple DMs from congregants who were like, Hey, I thought we were friends. Wow. Right. Um, you know, wow. uh, Hey, I just want you to know that I don't feel weird, but uh, yeah. 
And I was able to have a mini DTR. Yeah. Right. Yeah. DTR. Um, define the relationship. Let's make yes. sure people know what that is. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 But I'm thinking of one guy who's probably 15 years younger than me. Um, and we've had a, so many conversations and have hung out, et cetera, et cetera. And um, he says to me, like, hey, I, I just I just want you to know I think we can be friends, blah, 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 blah. And in my mind, I'm thinking, yes, yes, but there's some so, – so, and this is weird, too, because I don't want to hold over – I don't want to hold my authority over somebody. Right. And be like, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, yep. you have to – you have to defer to me or whatever. So, so I'm like, okay, this is great. Yes, this is fantastic. And I don't trust that you sufficiently understand all the dynamics at play in being a, being your pastor. Yeah. You said this to the person or you're thinking, uh, I'm about thinking, it. Okay. I'm thinking about okay. it. Yeah. I, I just, I just communicated to him. Hey, that's great. You know, I'm glad that I'm glad that you feel like that. I feel, I, th I think I said something like, even though I don't think it's a peer to peer friendship, meaning equal power, kind of like Spencer and I, I, I said, I still consider you a friend and I appreciate this, et cetera, et cetera. And he seemed like it seemed that seemed to be sufficient for him. Yeah. I don't know. I'll have to check in. But I was thinking in my head, like, <sighs> there's, yeah. Angie, I'm like losing, I'm like losing words, which is hard for me. I love the words. <laughs> There's some dynamics. I'm sorry, or pastor. you're welcome. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, yeah. I think we're, I think I'm at the, I'm at the, we're at the margin or at the border the of processing like, of this, yeah. of what I've, what I'm able to name, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, but I do think there's some, there's some complexities that I am like being a pastor that this younger guy can't understand. Yeah. He's just not inside of it. Yeah. He's not inside of it. Yeah. And I, I think that I just need to continue to discern it. Yeah. But, you know, even with you trying to figure out where the, where the words for that, you know, and yeah. talking about this with each of these people and I've, I'm, I'm thinking and feeling what people I've had that with in my life. And it's, it's a lot of dancing and it's tiring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a lot more yeah. dancing than a lot of people have to do. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I'm, I'm kind of sharing stories here, but no, you know, this guy, this guy who, who's like, we're friends, like we had a, a all church meeting a year ago and uh, he did some stuff in that meeting that I was like really upset about. Mm. Like in my mind, derailed the meeting and did some whatever. And if it was a friend, if it was Spencer, yeah, I would sort of put him on blast like with Spencer or Ben, I would say, what the heck are you doing, man? This is, I don't think like that was helpful at all. Here's why, blah, 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 blah. But with this guy, it was, it was way, I, I wasn't going to put him on blast because as a pastor, putting a congregate on blast mm -hmm. is often experienced as harm. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's not, so I can put a peer on blast in a way that I, I shouldn't, put a congregant on blast. Does that yeah. make sense, Angie? For sure. What I'm saying? Yeah. Like I can say things, my wife can say things to me that she would never say to my 11 year old. Yeah. Our 11 year old. It's a similar dynamic there. So I'm thinking through these things as he's, he's like, yeah, we're friends. And I'm like, yeah, but if I treated you as though 
no power existed, what would happen is you would experience harm from me. Yeah, you'd be just roasted alive. Yeah. You'd experience harm from me, not because I'm such an awful dude, but because of all the... Yeah. See, I think a lot of this church hurt, church abuse stuff, no pastor gets into pastoring and says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hurt a bunch of people. Yeah, It's just they don't navigate power dynamics well. They don't see it. And so they don't understand that they're gaslighting somebody. Yeah. They don't understand that this is uh, triangulating gossip. You know, they just yeah. don't understand it. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. So I, I'm just thinking about how like, even even when people are like, hey, yeah, we're friends. I'm thinking, yes, we are. But it's I need to be probably the one responsible here, putting boundaries around that friendship. Yeah. For your sake. Because you're the one mine. who's aware of it. Yeah. Um, and that's part of the authority of love, I think. Yeah. So love, I think love is seeking the good of another without, you know, in in a way, in a way that doesn't like uh, take away their agency and power. Yeah in a way that hum rehumanizes them over and over and over, yeah. right? And uh, if I'm going to bear that authority in our church, then I probably need to go, f I need to be, a I need to lead in that way. I need to lead in taking that, in my relationships, taking that responsibility rather than putting that on somebody else. Yeah. And this is also why, like, there's some people in my church who call me Matt. Yeah. There's some people in my church who call me Father Matt. Yeah. Right? Or Pastor Matt, mm -hmm. even. Yeah. I don't police that. I, I just say whatever you want to call me. Yeah. And and I prefer to be called Matt. I think ten years ago I would have told people not to call me Father Matt. Yeah. Just call me Matt. But I'm I'm experimenting Andrew with let's let you call me what you want, and then as we go, maybe maybe I can hear why you want to call me that. And we can discern is that doing good work for you? Yeah. Right? Rather than just nope. Just call me Matt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, you know, when you, you are bearing so much, you said, you know, more responsibility for the, mm -hmm. the authority of, and the power of love and, and, uh, and all that. Yeah. So we still need, you know, people listening, ministry leaders, pastors, that doesn't negate our need for friendship for peer to peer. In fact, even more so we need to identify and cultivate yes. those people. So how have you done that? Where have you, or where do you find and make and keep and maintain those friendships? Well, I, I said before, I, this is why I co-pastor. Yeah. I, I got to have... That's one key one right there. Right? That's a huge sure. one for me. And yeah, people. The, I don't know. Not the worst thing could happen to me, but it's on the it's on the list of the worst things that could happen to me would to be in a position at a church where there were no peers. Yeah. None. Yeah. I, I feel like... Uh, if I'm if I'm wishing good on other people, I wouldn't wish that on them. <laughs> yes, right, right. right. Do, you, do you know what I'm saying, yeah. Angie? Like, yeah. you know, I'm I'm a B plus guy. You know what I mean? I'm not even a really bad guy. I just yeah. I just think that that that's putting myself in a space that's setting me up for failure because mm -hmm. of isolation. Yeah. Uh, the other the other thing is I I've got really good friends, like from college. I'm going hiking tomorrow morning with one. We're going to do a 14 mile hike tomorrow. Ooh, good for you. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Well, we're, we're in training to go to the, I mean, to a mountain Indiana, here in so, September. I mean, there's no hill. So, I mean. Yeah. The elevation changes like 17 feet. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> over 14 exactly. miles. Um, yeah. Uh, but like this guy was looking for a church about five years ago, lives close to me, lives in Carmel. And I was thinking, I, I, is it weird if I extend an invitation to him? Yeah. And then part of me was thinking like, you know what? He is like, 
he's a guy that, you know, he's a guy that has seen me at my worst. And I don't, there's no ecclesial relationship, so I don't have to pastor him. I don't have to be Pastor Matt. I can just be a college friend, you said? Yeah, yes, college friend. Before. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And honestly, like, I was reticent to invite him to come to our church. Yeah, because I, I did. I, up. It just yeah. complicates things. Yeah. It introduces something, I think. Yeah. Uh, I did invite him, and they chose to go somewhere else. That's fine. But I really appreciate relationships of like long-term relationships where no one's asking me to be a pastor or no one's expecting me to be a pastor. Mm -hmm. And I get just, I get to be Matt, dad, Matt, friend, Matt, uh, goofy, Matt, those kinds of things. How's that work out? You know, like all the churches we were a part of or pastoring, you know, we were small groups were a big piece of it. And so, you know, I told you the first, you know, one of our first churches in North Carolina was, we'll just open it up to anybody who wants to be a part of it and realized, Oh, a lot of them, when they were unhappy with the church, they left the church, they left the relationship or they viewed us as the role. So we became extremely discerning about we're going to pick our people. And it was always people who had seen the church sausage being made. They weren't afraid of that. They didn't for what, you know, we felt they could, potentially view us as Dave and Angie, not Pastor Dave and Pastor's wife, Angie, or Dr. Angie, or any of the, any of the, the, you know, the titles or the adjectives. What about for you guys for besides the co-pastor stuff? And as a couple as well, ministry couple. Yeah. I think that, yeah. I mean, in terms of my wife and I, relationships in the church. Yeah. 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 We've had, we've got friendships there, you know, we've got good friends there. Um, you know, we recently left our denomination and joined another one. Yeah. Long story. Yeah. And there were people that had made friend overtures, friend commitments to my wife who uh, just left, ended the relationship. From within the congregation or where had they? Yeah, from so within the congregation. The denomination, it was kind of, okay, yeah. Yeah, it was like they couldn't come with us. And, yeah. you know, I, we won't even get into the reasons right, and all that. Right. But, but, yeah. but the... But the net result was my wife experiences all of these tethers are temporary. And at any time you can decide to end this relationship without, without any, like I didn't do anything wrong. There's just, you know, whatever. And there's kind of this, there's a, there's an, this is hard to talk about because it sounds like past, like sounds like as a pastor, I'm complaining. I just want to name this though. When you give your heart to people, and you connect yourself to them, and then they break that relationship for reasons that you wouldn't break any other relationship. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It it there's there's a moral injury. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it there's a compassion compassion fatigue. Yeah. And you end up wanting to not hurt as much. Yeah. Right. So we protect yeah. ourselves from hurt. Yeah. Right. And I think. I think what I'm trying to navigate here is I don't want to become this distant, hard-hearted, fake guy who pretends like they're connected to you, but really isn't. But I also know that I don't know if I've got, I don't know if my heart is up for another 20 years of being stomped on. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Angie, like between those two, um, yeah. I'm looking for a yes yeah. 
that is faithful and sustainable. Um, now, that's that's where I'm at. My wife is in a season of like, I just need to go on walks with the Jewish lady in our neighborhood. Yeah. Who who's been my friend for eight years, doesn't give a rip that you're a pastor, and uh, no won't leave all of a sudden yeah. because you know, for some crazy reason, they didn't like the new song we did, you know, or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I so, just, I feel like, uh, you know, in this context, those who are listening and watching it, if, you know, if that's your situation and, uh, I've found it's so easy for the, well, I should, because I'm their pastor, I'm their pastor you yes. know, kind of thing. And, and if you, it's okay to have some times of space and breaks. And I just want hmm. people to hear that and let that soak in because if you're, pushing forward because of the shoulds you're you're doing yourself your heart harm and i think the people that you're shoulding yeah with yeah 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 i agree so and if deb you know deb, deb is your wife is that right you know if she needs that no sharon, sharon. yeah deb is deb is deb, ben, deb ben, is yeah ben yeah Ben's wife, yeah. The co, yeah. And they were, they're leading a silent <laughs> retreat, I think, right now. So they can't hear what they're saying, what, what I'm saying. Yeah. So, yeah. Sharon, right. yeah. So if Sharon needs that, and there was times, and that was a season where I reached out to you guys, you know, mm. and, and, uh, and it wasn't for Baron Sharon, but I was just like, okay, you know, here's some, it was that same season of, okay, who are, who are my people? It was becoming hard for, you know, season. So yeah. Yes. Yeah. Finding those yes. people. And sometimes they're temporary. You know, I just learned I needed a, a web of relationships, some in the church, some in the community, in my area, some from way past, some from who live way far away, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that if any one of those, I feel pretty confident now, if any one of those strands were to just be shredded, be would to break, I have enough other strands on that web yeah. that I wouldn't fall through. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I think that's really important. It, it's really, I mean, friendship in general is hard for people who are 20 years, 30 years out of college yeah, and you have moved three or four times yeah. and there's no longer sitting uh, at the uh, travel volleyball game yep. yeah. three times a week with the parents. So there are yeah. all these different ways that we had to be in community with each other. They kind of fall away and now we're just, you know, we're just old. Yeah. And do we have friends? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? you have, you have, it's work. Like you got to find and yeah. Cultivate that with your it's people. Work. Yeah. It's work. And I think, I, I think there's, there's a need I have for friends. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I want to say it like this. Ian. Let me try this out. There's a need I have for friends that I don't think is wise to get those needs met with my congregants. Yes. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. Now, not, not every relational need is that. But there are relational needs I have that if I, again, we get this with like a therapist, like, like a, if a therapist tries to get their relational needs for friends met with their clients, yeah. like they could lose their job. Yeah. Right. Now it's not that, but there's something in that, in the pastor congregant dynamic that I'm trying to get my hands around. Yeah. And I think all those things you said are true. There are relational needs I have, you have, we have. So there's a reality of that. We don't lose those nope. needs ever right. that that should be need to be met, but not yeah. necessarily with some congregants or all of your congregants or any of your 
congregants and that's not a judgment uh, on them or on it's no. just the reality of all those things. it's a reality yeah yeah and i'm sympathetic to people saying well it shouldn't be a reality right so you know jesus says i i no longer call you servants i call you friends and so if there's any reality of this it's due to the fallen nature of humanity yeah. and we should work against it and i i think i agree with that but i want to work against it in a different way than it's usually what's usually meant is let's let's flatten everything yeah let's get rid of all let's get rid of all distinctions or statuses and let's just Let's be all peers. And I, I've seen that cause a lot of harm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I do think, though, they're right in the sense that usually our hierarchies are made up uh, of control yeah. and domination, and those hierarchies hurt people. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, um, between the control domination and the everything yeah. flat, there's this wide, you know, prairie that we need to kind of. <laughs> yeah. And I keep through. throwing out like therapist client or mom with a nursing infant yeah. or dad to an 11 year old yeah. to say we have an imagination yes for how good hierarchies exist mm -hmm. where there isn't domination yeah. and coercion yeah right yeah and and if those hierarchies went away for instance with the infant there would be no life there'd just be death yeah so so i'm just saying like we already tolerate and affirm these what i'm saying in other spaces yeah. and i think i haven't been privy to a lot of discourse around how does that take shape yeah. within a church? Yep. Yeah. Well, thanks for having that conversation with me. I really appreciate it. So good. Yeah, Angie, it's always good to chat with you. Yeah. I, people can follow you. Do so much good work all over the place. Um, the, the Gravity Leadership, it's .com, right? So there's that. Yep. And their podcast is fantastic. One of my favorites. Matt also just recently started a sub stack. So he's writing regular and it's regularly. So it's Matt Tebby at substack.com and it's M-A-T-T-T. E-B-B-E. -B -B -E. It's this first name, yes, last name. But I was T's. like, how many? That's a lot of T's right there in a row. Uh, yeah. And then you and Ben have another book in the works. So tell me more just briefly about that. Yeah, we're trying to figure out how to market it so that it'll get published. Because yeah. it's a book okay. about love. And every time I talk about love, the publishers are like, yeah, 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 okay, yeah. Okay, well, here so you I go. Think... Refine your elevator pitch a little bit. <laughs> I, think, I think, you know, a lot is being written about vision, polarization, and conflict in the church and how we need to overcome it. I think I want to write a book about love that that takes its context in disagreement, conflict, and polarization, and how does love operate to work through that, mm -hmm. right? So I think there the two dominant responses to division is to pretend like it's not there and just ignore it, or to marshal sort of uh, arguments and try to win it. And I think that love operates differently in the midst of division and polarization. And I, so the next book is going to be about how uh, we live in grace and truth mm -hmm. in the midst of disagreements, divisions, and polarizations. Mm. Great. Very cool. Uh, looking forward to that mm. one as well. So thanks, Matt. Thanks again for being on. So glad to have you on the, on the podcast. And boy. Yeah. And I'm really excited that you are, have started this, Angie. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. Thank you.